Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We're your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And Jen, you're in Philly. I am in Philly. I am um I am feeling very melancholy and nostalgic for the place where I am from. I walked around today and walked past some favorite places, couldn't believe they were still there. Walked past a, a coffee shop called the Last Drop Cafe and just burst into tears. Aww. Like it just really just just an old emotional bag just walking around. Just <laughs> <laughs> It's weird. I don't know if everyone has this, but I have very much a sense of home. Like, oh, I'm home. This is where I grew up. I know everything here. I walked past this shitty like school I went to summer school at because I failed math and I had to come into the city to go to summer school. And it was just on this side street. And I was like, oh my God, I went to summer school there. It was so shady. <laughs> like, anyway, it's just been, it's just been great. I mean, it hasn't I'm not here for a great reason. My grandmother died. Um after after a long battle with a, several illnesses and dementia, and she was ninety one, but it's it's you know all of it's interesting to be with your family, to be in the the place where you grew up, to just have all of that stuff and know it's in your bones and have it come back to you, all of those sensations, like and the places that you just you feel them viscerally, you know, yeah. as part of who you are, um, yeah. and just seeing a lot of family and you know, a lot of the people I grew up with, you know, in terms of my parents' friends, because, you know, your parents' friends all come to their parents' funeral and, you know, and doing all the gossip, you know, oh, what's he doing? Oh, who, how's your son? And what's this, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't know. It's been um, actually deeply emotional and also deeply pleasurable. And um, I have to say, I saw a friend from high school last night, my friend Julie, who I haven't seen in years, and she told her sister, Kristen, that we were together. And Kristen sent her a picture of our mug that we give out to Patreon patrons. So shout out to Kristen Mervine. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I love you. I can't believe that you listened to this podcast. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I will occasionally hear about someone will occasionally be like, oh, yeah, I listen all the time. And I'm like, you do? Yes, I know. You do? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. 
I know. Well, we have to make the podcast more professional. We really do. We have to start thinking of it more as a real thing and not a conversation that we just, that's not an opportunity for us to have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is true. It is true. We have to start being grownups. We have to start being grownups, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I want to tell you. Tell me. um, I I feel like I get all my culture recommendations from you now. I started reading Dirtbag Massachusetts last night. Tell me what you think of it. Well, I I just started it last night, so it's still very early, but what a great writer. Yeah. Yeah. What a fantastic writer. And what a, I mean, so far it seems like a really compelling and weird story. It's a really compelling and weird story. It's it's about it's about family, it's about forgiveness, it's about identity, it's about all of these things and it's a man telling it and it's highly unusual for a straight man, straight white man to get so deep into his identity the way Isaac Fitzgerald does and it's a it's a phenomenal read. It's it's a phenomenal read. I loved it. I'm glad you're reading it. Yeah, no, I was whipping through it. I went to, I'm out in Sag Harbor and I went to the bookstore here. There are a couple mm-hmm. bookstores in town, but there's one called Caneos, which is um, on Main Street, kind of just out of the center of town. And it's used in new books. And I went in and asked for it and they didn't have it. So they ordered it for me. And I just, it was, I've been reading books on the phone and it was just so nice to like go to the bookstore and get a physical book and bring it home. No, it's important. And I also think there's a different relationship with the page, with a tangible page and that the the writer has with the reader, the way it sort of, the way it looks, because that's the way you type it. You know, it's like the way it looks on the page feels different. Just everything about the experience. I, I have a Kindle and I hate it. I just hate it. I mean, I know you can do things like mark passages and all of that and go back to them, but I've never gone back to a book that I read on my phone. No, even if I highlight it, even if I highlight the passage, I never go back to it. Whereas a book, I, you know, you dog ear, you underline, you page, you know, you page back and forth, you take it off your shelf. It's an object. I mean, I know there's a paper shortage in, I don't know, China. I don't, there's a whole thing. (laughs) No, there's a whole thing. My book is probably not coming out until 2024 now because of, um, Paper shortage. Paper, it's so paper. Crazy. Because of because of China, the supply chain. Sometimes I just string words together. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm like Democrats. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So, do you get? I mean, I guess you don't because you live in LA. Like, I'm getting really like melancholy about summer ending and fall starting because when fall starts, winter can't be far behind, and I hate winter. Well, I am in. See, it's different. It's a totally different thing. It's a totally different experience of summer because we are just entering in LA fire season. So Mm -hmm. we are now, as everybody else is about to cool off and go into fall and productive mode, back to school, school supplies, we are about to go into ramping up the heat. It's going to start being 100 every day, and it's going to start being 100 degrees every day until November. And that is, and fires, and just Mm -hmm. smoke and smog and just a really difficult season. So we're actually about to enter a season that is as unpleasant on the West Coast as winter is on the East Coast. It's good to know there is a season as unpleasant on the West Coast as it is on the East Coast, because that's not the impression of people who 
don't live there. It's like, oh, it's always balmy. It's always perfect. I don't know why people in LA need to pretend that LA is always pleasant. It really is a thing that people don't like it when you talk shit about LA. Like, I'll, I mean, in the middle of like, toward the end of September, when it's been like 100 degrees every day since the beginning of August, I just am like, what the fuck? What are we doing here? We're just roasting. We're all in like a convection <laughs> oven. This is horrible. And everyone's like, oh, but hiking. And I'm like, well, you can't hike. <laughs> <laughs> Griffith Observatory. Exactly. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> no. There are some things about LA that are bad. Now, winter in LA is glorious and magnificent. And it's 75 degrees every day and breezy and wonderful. But that's that's one time of year, you know? That's yeah. not it's not the whole year that it's like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm I'm sorry about that because I do know what it feels like to look forward to summer and then have summer be coming to a close. Yeah, it's closing, it's coming to a close. And I just, when the clocks go back, I just do not deal well. I mean, we've still got, we still got a little while before that happens. That's not till November, but it just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I like, I like when it's warm and I can just throw on a dress and go walk the dog in the morning. Yes. Yes. Instead of 80 layers. But don't you like, don't you like jackets? I do like jackets. I don't like autumn as much as I used to. It used to be my absolutely favorite season. Okay. Um, I do like autumn, but I don't like what it portends. I know that I have become a person who fetishizes winter um, Mm -hmm. because I miss cold weather. I like bundling. I like hats. I like scarves. I especially like coats. I love a good vintage coat. Like there's nothing like, because there's just so much more you can do with outfits when there's just, you know, you have a scarf and you have a cute hat and boots and, you know. Well, you know, do you remember what was her name? She was, she was, she worked at Lucky for a while. Lori Trot. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a, an editor at Lucky and a fashion editor. And she said that in the fashion world, it was felt that summer was amateur hour. Yes. 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 You know, because you really do get to do the most with fashion. You do. And it's super fun. And like bags, it's just, it's just fun. It's fun to just put it all together. And I love, I mean, I really like coats. Now, I like winter at 30 degrees and above. Yeah. Because at that point, it's just fine. Basically, winter's really fun until around Christmas. <laughs> yep. And then <laughs> in Christmas, it all, Christmas, after Christmas, it's like, okay, now we've got to slog. And March is, March is hell. Because March is supposed to be something else, and it's not. March is supposed to be something else. I always say this every year, and I grew up in Texas where it was very warm during March. So it took me a long time to adjust to the fact that this was not going to be my reality living on the East Coast, that March actually could be a really ugly, snowy, crappy, you know, shoving boots on the dog's paws so that he doesn't get salt in them. Yeah, that's, you know. that's that's not that's, that's not fun. And also snow. I was trying to explain snow to my kid who has not really experienced much of snow at all. Like I think we've taken them to some really like not great. Like let's go see snow in California and mm-hmm. it's like there's one like lane of snow that you can like slide down on a sled, like up in a mountain, (laughs) but it's like not very much, you know, it's, it's not, it's all like fabricated snow. And I was trying to explain that there's a snowfall and that is beautiful and peaceful and the sound of crunching on fresh snow and that this lasts for about 10 hours and then 
disgusting. <laughs> Especially in New York. Yes. Then it gets all black and pissy and just like and then if it builds upon itself it just starts collecting the city in it you know it does it does that's so right (laughs) and then when it all melts all of that comes out and then it's just like trash water flooding the streets (laughs) it's bad but you know whatever everything's kind of bad Mm, everything has its bad side you know what I was thinking about the other day, speaking of everything being bad, I was thinking like, I was looking through old photo albums and I was like, I don't know, did I, was I not loved enough? Like as a child, right? Mm-hmm. Was I not loved a lot enough? And then I was like, is anyone ever loved enough? Like, is anyone ever really loved enough? I don't know. I think it depends on who you are. That is a really, really astute comment. I think me and you, right. me and you can maybe never be loved enough. <laughs> like sometimes I'm laying in bed at the end of the day and Paul's like on his iPad and I'm like poking him, you know, I'm like kicking him. I'm like pulling his hair. He's like, did we not spend enough time together today? <laughs> I, know, I know. Look at me. Give me attention. Love me, love me, love me, love me. <laughs> Even like, even like I was helping my, I was helping my parents like prepare for this funeral. And like, I helped my dad with his eulogy and, you know, I transcribed his notes and they had these photo boards and everyone had collected the photos. My, every member of my family had collected the photos, but then I compiled the photos on these boards, right? I needed everybody to know that I had done it. I needed <laughs> I am so embarrassing. Like, like someone was like, oh, these are such beautiful pictures. And I was like, yeah, I, I put them together. <laughs> it was so, so gross. But I realized I needed the attention. I wasn't, I wasn't getting enough. There were too many people around. Also, it was the funeral. You know? <laughs> Where you are de facto not the center of attention. Not the center of attention anyway. But yeah, so I'm trying to take a more accountability for, you know, these, let's call them foibles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. What else? What else have you been doing? Um, I have been, well, I watched, um, what have I been doing? I've been out here in Sag Harbor, which is very pleasant. Um, except for that we had a septic tank kind of implosion explosion. Like I walked it in feels yesterday, personal, doesn't it? It feels personal when there's a. It feels personal, and I also feel very guilty because I was here a week ago, and I was like, it just smells vaguely of sewage in here. And when we got back yesterday, I was like, okay, it doesn't smell vaguely of sewage anymore. It smells very distinctly of sewage. And so the guys were here this morning, and they're fixing it. But apparently, it will get much worse before it gets better. And like new guys have to come, like the cleanup guys have to come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's you know. It's times like this that I wonder if I really want to live in a house in the country. Because houses, it never ends. No, it never I know. ends. I know. Well, we keep having we keep having sewage issues in our house. Like there are vines now under our house. Like we had the whole backyard ripped up, but now they're under the house. The vines are going in and it never ends. And I'm like, do I want to be a homeowner in this kind of way? Like with a yard and shit to deal, like literal shit to deal with and a septic tank and like, ugh, I don't know. Or I don't even under, I don't want to understand it. It's like a main sewer line. Like, ugh. 
No, I don't want to. I don't, I know. And sometimes I feel really juvenile and not adult that I don't own a home. But at the same time, like dispositionally, I don't know if I'm made for it. You know what? I've owned two different places. Neither of them I lived in for very long. Mm -hmm. The house I bought in Carroll Gardens, which I sold when I got divorced, Mm -hmm. and which I lived in for maybe two and a half years, three years. And then um, the house I bought on 12th Street in the West Village three weeks before I was fired from Lucky. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I borrowed money so I could stay there for a while because I couldn't have turned around and sold it. I would have lost a lot of money. And and I stayed for a few years. But other than that, I've rented. And I think it kind of like, it kind of works for me to rent. I think I ran into, um, actually, they'd be so great to come on the show. Italian Ophi Edut, is that their last name? They're astrologers. They're twin sisters and astrologers, and they have some reality dating show now about astrology. But anyway, I ran into them on the street after I was fired from Lucky, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay in this place, but I probably won't stay long. And I just, I move every several years, and I'm just tired of it. And they were like, you're a Pisces, you're itinerant. And oh. I was like, I was like, I don't believe in astrology, like even at all, but I was like, okay, I'm going to believe in that because that can make me be at peace with the fact that I move so frequently. I've lived mm-hmm. in like 12 apartments since I moved to New York in 1988, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I was dating someone and we kept meeting friends of his who would say, so do you own your apartment? <laughs> ew, ew, who does that? Ew. Several people who were friends with this ex-boyfriend would say, so do you own your place? And it was, it was like such a little judgment that Ugh. it bothered me. Like, no, sir, I can, I'm a poor little match girl. I can only get it together to pay rent. I know. There's so many more interesting things to talk about than home ownership. The thing is, what happens to people who own homes? And God love them. Like, God love everybody. I don't care. But when somebody is going through a renovation, there is no other, there's no more boring time to talk to a person because <laughs> they can't so talk true. about anything except their kitchen renovation or their bathroom renovation. And I get it. It must be overwhelming to have like a, a hot plate in your living room while your kitchen is being renovated or whatever the hell it is. I get it. But it seems like hell. Like my sister just bought a house in Baltimore and like, you know, my mother is a realtor. So like, you know, they knew exactly what to do and how, what to get inspected, whatever, whatever. And still they have to take down eight large trees, like in the front Mm -hmm. of their house or something. And it's like getting trees taken down is really fucking complicated. And she was explaining it and explaining it. I I was like, okay, one more time. I I like, I zoned (laughs) out. I like, it just kept, that's your ADHD. You just, I'm not caring. I just can't, I don't know if it's it's like, is it so boring or is it the ADHD? I don't know. Like who knows? But she was like, well, it's like they're dead and they're ash trees. And so, but they're also invasive. Are they dead? Are they invasive? And then it's like, but anyway, the bottom line is it's tens of thousands of dollars for this thing that like, because they bought their house in the winter, they couldn't realize that the, that these trees were dead and the homeowners Mm -hmm. like, pulled a fast one on my sister who's going to have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to get these trees removed. And man, that sounds horrible and an unfun way to spend your money. Yep. Yep. And it never ends. I mean, we just found out we need a new pump 
I don't know what that means, but we need a new pump. Like it all costs money. It It all all costs costs money. money. And I love spending money on not literal shit tanks. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, this house is, is co-owned by my mother and me and my brothers. She purchased it every year. She gives a little bit more of it to us so that we don't inherit it and have to pay enormous taxes on it. That's nice. Um, but one day this house will be owned by me and my brothers and I don't want to do that shit. Right. Right. No. And this is when it's ideal. If you're in a partnership where one person is like, oh yeah, I love, let me, let me look at this old house or whatever. Yeah. It's like one person is just like, I got it. I'm handy. I have one of those tools that has several things on it. I can just fix that (laughs) term. <laughs> no, it's true. We were looking, we actually, funny, we should be talking about all this because we were looking at real estate in the country um, earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And we told the realtor, like, we are not renovation people. Like, it doesn't have to be move-in ready, but I think we're, we're you know, it's got to pretty much be decent. Yeah. Like, yeah. and you can't find that. No. I mean, you can find it, but you pay for it. Yeah. You know, and then if it's you- done in a way that maybe you wouldn't have chosen to. I mean, this one house was so cute, but it had, um, in the kitchen, the counters were like rust colored. Mm. There was an earth tones thing going on and most of it felt like it would be pretty easy to get rid of, but a rust, rust colored in the kitchen. And I was like, how hard would this be? Like just this, if I bought this house, like, would this be the one thing I could change? Yeah. Because I, I know, I know I just, I don't have much patience for it, but I think some people really get off on it. I, I, the aesthetic stuff I'm very interested in all of the aesthetic stuff I could get obsessive and fixated on like, oh colors and patterns and all of that. It's the, it's the bones of the house that I just find mm-hmm. so dreary. And t- I mean, everybody does, this is just grown up shit. This is just like arrested development shit because people are just like, oh, I just have to deal with this. This is just a thing that you just do. You know, it's like, it's like changing the oil in your car, you know, like you might not yeah. want to do it, but you just do it. Speaking of um, feeling like you're a case of arrested development, Mm -hmm. my mother mentioned the other day that when she met my stepfather, who I, who, which happened in my adulthood, she was 64 years old. That's six years older than I am now. Wow. He was such a nice guy too. Oh yeah. You met him. Yeah. I did meet him. I liked him a lot. Um, Oh, wow. I thought she was so much younger when she met him. No, no, she was 64. And I can't believe how many years have passed. I mean, I literally just can't believe it. I mean, I feel like it's the dumbest thing to sit here and talk about. And it's the biggest cliche, but I cannot believe that happened so long ago that she was only six years older than I am now. Yeah. 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 Those adult years. I mean, I don't know how to slow down the years. I don't know how to slow down time. You can't. No, you can't. You can't slow down time. And it's going, it's going so fast. But see, for me, when you said that, I thought, oh, wow, that's amazing that she met what an amazing man he was and had such a long and happy partnership with him. And she didn't meet him until she was. And she didn't meet him. And it was a very sweet story how they met. Um, he was widowed and, um, sat next to a friend of my mom's on the plane. He mentioned that he had a house in Sag Harbor. And she said, oh, I have a friend with a house in Sag Harbor. Can I Mm -hmm. give her your number? And he said, yes, mostly 
to get her to stop talking, apparently. So my mom called him and he left a message on the answering machine because that's how long ago it was saying, you sound like a very nice person, but I'm just going it alone right now, but maybe I'll call you. Mm -hmm. And he called her a year later. Wow. Wow. No, Eve France, Eve France is a definite object lesson in always being optimistic that you can still find your soulmate because he was absolutely her soulmate. They adored each other. They were inseparable. When did she move to New York, your mom? She moved to New York when she was 50. Mm. She rented, she had a small apartment in New York for several years, like a studio um, for several years. And then she moved up to New York right as I graduated college. But I mean, still like 50, she made a big move in her life. She made a huge move and she... And it took her a very long time. Like we have a lot of relatives in New York. It's where her side of the family is originally from. So that was a comfort for her and that was community, but it took her a very, very long time to make friends. Yeah. You know, it took her because, you know, older and she was very involved in like her jewelry designing at the time and, you know, but, but yeah, she did. No, she did a very brave thing. Yeah, she really did. And it paid off. Well, well, no, I was thinking, though, as you were talking about Philly and the kind of way you feel like you're at home when you're in Philly and you feel almost like you're the most yourself, it sounds like. I absolutely do. Absolutely. I, I, I avoid Houston because Houston, like there is no walking around and seeing that beautiful old hotel because now it's been renovated and is some crappy thing or it's been more likely torn down because in Houston, like new isn't new enough. Right. right. So there, you know, the house I grew up in is gone and I don't, I don't like, I don't ever feel like myself when I have to go there. And my mom has a friend who's not doing well. And I said to my mom, like, if, you know, if she goes, I'll go down to Houston with you. I'll go to the funeral with you. Yeah. Um, but I will have like, I forget who I am. I go to that city and it was, you know, I, I think, you know, I was at a not happy childhood and I left when I was 16 and, and I just, um, I never feel like myself when I'm there. That makes sense because also the place has changed so much. And, and I, I think that I was running from the self that I was for so long. So I just really wouldn't, I love Philly and I just wouldn't touch it as a place. You know, I just was like, mm, no, I would never think about living there, moving there, whatever. Um, but so my rental car place, I wound up getting this very inexpensive rental car and it was the location of the place where the rent, where I, the car was rented, where the, the they took me from the shuttle, from the plane, whatever, was not in a good neighborhood. In fact, when I went to return the car yesterday, my dad called me six times to <laughs> how to go, how to go. You weren't waiting long outside with the Uber where you like, you know, whatever, because he was very. But when I mapped as I was going to the car rental place, I mapped my childhood, my first childhood address for the first nine years of my life. And we lived in a very not good neighborhood then. Right. And it turned out that it was four minutes from the rental car place. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, fuck it. So I pulled over, I changed the address and the GPS and I drove to my, my house growing up and I drove past my old house. I drove past my grandmother's house, which was right around the corner. My other grandmother's house, which was five blocks away. I mean, it all looks, it was a bad neighborhood. Then it looks 
bombed out now. It's Southwest Philadelphia. It's just not a prosperous or good neighborhood. It, it never was, but it's gotten much worse. Um, and I had this feeling of, oh, I, I, I see why I ran from this. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean there's not another reality in this city for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, just like there was not, there was another reality for my family as well. You know, it doesn't, there's not only one, there's only one life to be lived in a place. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it was very intense. I did not stop. I was like taking pictures out the window as I was slowly rolling by. I was like, nah, not like. Let's take a quick break from some ads. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com fine for 25% off. And we're back. I've told you, have I not, that I um, lived for two years in Philadelphia as a child? No. Where? Wincote. 
Okay. So not in the city proper, not in the city proper yeah, in the yeah. suburbs. Okay. 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 Um, I, we lived in a big old Victorian house that apparently is still there. My brother went looking for it a few years ago. And so, and I, I, I keep, when we go to Philly, I keep wanting to mention to Paul that we should drive out to, we should drive out there. I think there's something about, I mean, this, and that might be the case for you. I don't know, but there's something about coming home to yourself, I guess. I mean, I know that's Mm -hmm. like a very corny thing to say, but I, I feel like, you know, part of my work in the last year has been about how I tried to outrun myself in a way and outrun things that had really hurt me. And I, you know, it's sort of sublimated and like work and, you know, fancy friends and a fancy life and, and just this feeling of being like, oh, I don't have to be scared of that person anymore. I can come home to myself. And some of that is actually revisiting your places, where you're from, what it is. Revisiting your places, playing old songs. Yes. Oh my God. I've been playing so much classic rock. I've been been playing so much bad classic rock Boston. Oh my God. Just going for it. I just was like, let me just do it. No, a song can really take, you know, not just me, take one right back. Right, right, right back. Um, I also have been thinking a lot about age and getting older and life and opportunities because of Anne Heche. That was I know. devastating. That was That was sad on so many different fronts. Just horrible, just tragic. That poor woman who lost her house. I know. It was a whole other part of it, but Anne Heche just... You know, you think about it when you think about Hollywood, you know, people are, they appear and then they kind of, you know, they, they, they recede, but they still exist, you know, they still exist. And I think being a, you know, a lot of pieces that were written in the aftermath of her accident and subsequent death were saying her career was ruined by being an out bisexual woman. Yeah. Well, she was told specifically to not walk the red carpet with, with Ellen. She was told that she was going to lose that movie with her. I I listened to an old interview with her on fresh air. She was told that they were going to pull her from the movie with Harrison Ford. If she did it, they didn't because Harrison Ford wanted to work with her, but she was told that. And she was a hundred percent, I think blacklisted after that. She was pretty hot in that. She was pretty hot. And I think she, I mean, it sounds as though she had some emotional issues as well. Yes. Ongoing. So that could have had something to do with mental health issues. Had an incredibly tragic childhood. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so sad. I went back and I watched, um, do you ever watch Walking and Talking? That was a great movie. Yeah. I went back and watched it on, on, on on my laptop on this trip. God, first off, Catherine Keener just was the best. There was like a moment where Catherine Keener was the best. And Anne Heche is so good in that movie. And New York is so great in that movie. It's like not mm-hmm. New York. I mean, it's your whole time in New York, your early days in New York. And it was a really good movie about friendship and what happens when somebody gets coupled up, when you've been really close for, you know, for a really long time and how you have to like grieve the friendship because if you've been close and single and somebody's coupled up, the friendship just changes. I mean, it's the same thing about when somebody has a baby too. It's like, you're really close. You're, you're out kind of like for five years, your friend's kind of gone, you know? Yeah. You might find that the same thing happens if you get divorced. Oh, wow. Wow. Ostracized from your social group because people think it's contagious. 
a little bit like the dinner party invitations, like wives don't want an extra woman at the table. The dinner party invitations dried up. Now that could have been me and my personality. (laughs) (laughs) Very well could have been. Well, there is the thing of custody of who gets custody over which friends, you know, and I think that's a, that's always a complicated issue. Um, It's not always, it's not always clear cut, you know? Right. Um, But yeah, really, really that's, yeah, I didn't think about that, but that makes sense because also like sometimes smug married people, and this is not the way everybody is who's married, but there's some people who are like smug married and they don't even want to think about the idea of divorce. They don't want to mm-hmm. look at their relationship. And so even the, I, even just if floating out there that marriages end is, is, uh, no, you're dangerous. You're somehow yes. you become dangerous. Like, it, yeah, you're right. Like it's contagious. Like it's contagious, which is so fucked up. But, you know, I do think it's also very sexist. There's never any problem with having an extra man at a dinner party. No. You know, that's that's like a great thing. Wow. I think you're right that it is really sexist. It's weird, though. I mean, and it, that's so fucked up because also unhappily married people are the least pleasant people to be around. It's <laughs> like, really true. The fucking worst. Like when people have reached have crossed over the threshold where they're bickering in front of you, like really mm-hmm. bickering. It's so mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Like my husband and I argue all the time. We don't argue in front of people, you know, like. I I remember very clearly when my ex-husband and I started arguing in front of people because it's something I swore I would never do and we were incapable of not doing it. We argued once in a yoga class. No. <laughs> Because I wanted him to move over. I needed him to move over. I didn't have enough room, but he didn't want to offend the person on the other side of him. And we were like whisper fighting. <laughs> and everybody in the yoga, like a, you know, Carol Garden's yoga class circa 2001, all staring at us. Oh my God. That's so amazing. And also, also 2001 is a very specific time for yoga in New York. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very specific time. It was That's like, funny. yeah, it really is because I was covering it around then. Um, I was talking to my friend, speaking of being a, a woman of our age, I, I was talking to my friend last night about, um, Cause she was talking about like, you know, that she was always felt like, you know, I, I didn't realize how pretty I was and I didn't capitalize on it. She was capitalized on it. We were having the same conversation that you and I have all the time and like, oh, it's so weird when it goes away. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, it is. And, and, and I was like, I think that at this age, I'm the best you can hope for is still wood fucker. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with still there's wood nothing, fucker. There's nothing wrong, but I feel like we're in still wood age. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hanging in there. <laughs> Keeping it tight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Do you wanna do you wanna answer some listener questions? Yes, let's answer some questions. Should I ask them? You should ask them. I we may start making this a Patreon only thing of answering questions that may become a new thing we do. Um, we're trying to build up our Patreon. Um, and I'm gonna reorganize it too. Um so Yeah, we're gonna, gonna we're gonna any minute now we're gonna start putting all sorts of shit on that Patreon. And any minute now we're gonna start pulling this whole podcast together and making it very professional. Any second. <laughs> any second. Okay. Here's a good question for me and you, Romelini. Okay. I'm ready. How do you deal with anger and rage? (laughs) 
done poorly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm answering for myself, not you. Um, You go first. Um, Well, I'll tell you. I mean, it's funny because I was just talking to Paul's son about this. Um, We were on a walk and we were talking about my marriage for some reason. And when I divorced my husband, he, I've talked about this before. He, he decided that because I had a lucrative job and he did not, but he also didn't have a poor, poorly paying job, um, that he would go for, that he would go for a settlement. And I was so furious at him. This is a man who left town while I was in radiation, who I was married to for three years. There were no less than three years. There were no children. Um, I was so furious and I was in, in such a ball about it. I was just like curled up in this ball of rage. And I was like, this is going to, this is corrosive as shit. Yeah. Like this is bad for me. Yeah. And so that kind of anger, that kind of like black rage, Mm -hmm. like I really try to avoid that because I'm aware that it is, it is like not good for me emotionally, not good for me physically. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, anger can also be a good motivator. And I think, you know, that's there's a certain kind of anger that can be propelling. Yep. Um, I think harder before I like, you know, I mean, it is one of the gifts of adulthood is if you're, you know, most people you learn how to deal with that rage somehow. Yeah. Not make it harder on the people around you. So anger is basically my default mode. I mean, I'm just like angry. I'm just angry. I'm just like, oh, what the fuck is that? What, the, what are you doing? What the fuck? No, but that's, not, but that's not angry. Okay. It's perturbed. <laughs> it's, no, it's like, it's, it's, it's a certain kind of way of looking at the world. Okay. Maybe it's angry. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I know people who are angry and the way that they're angry affects them in a way that I don't think your anger affects. No, you. I'm not a bitter person. I'm not a bitter right. person and I'm not a negative person. I'm not, I'm not those things, but anger is sort of like, I feel, I'm Italian American. I grew up in this very aggressive city. I'm like, just, I'm confrontational. I'm just, I have a, a little bit of aggressive. As a matter of fact, I recently read a novel that a friend of ours wrote. And you know, all the time because you're narcissistic, right? Or one is narcissistic. You might be like, is that about me? I don't know. Is that about me? <laughs> anyway, this person very briefly described a character named Jenny who was angry all the time. And I was like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but they changed it to Jenny. Exactly. I was like, come on. And maybe it's not about me, but I was like, okay. Um, I think that a couple of things on this one, like I've been slowing down a lot more. I don't want my anger to hurt people. Like I've really been slowing down when I feel myself starting to like blow or just like being thoughtless about the things I'm saying. Like it's okay if something pisses me off. A lot of things piss me off and the a lot of things deserve to be pissed off at, you know? And people are disappointing and people are doing the best they can, but they're showing up inappropriately or whatever it is, right? Systems are fucked up. The you know, you're dealing with health insurance and you got ripped off on this. I've been trying to really think about I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt the customer service rep. I don't want to hurt the people in my life. And I think that slowing down is one thing. And also just judgment and being overly critical of how other people are living their lives is something I'm really trying to just stop 
all together. I have no idea what's inside of people's marriages, how they grew up and how they're parenting, what their kids, I have no, I don't know best. And to think that I do is really egocentric and really foolish. And also, even if I do know best, a person can't see something until they're ready to see it. So my getting angry at them is not going to help. No, like I'm angry at someone right now. Right. And I know how not to approach that. You know, I know what not to say. I, I I have no desire to, and this is a big adulthood thing. I think like I have no desire to dig the hole deeper. Right, right. And I think when you're younger, you do want to dig the hole deeper because somewhere in there you think, but you got to think like, okay, who are we talking about? What are they capable of hearing? You know, what are they capable of acknowledging? The anger is fine. It's the anger plus reactivity that's not fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it, anger is not a primary emotion. I know. And so it's always about like fear. <laughs> it is. It's so you always have to look at the reason for your anger because anger is not a primary emotion. Yeah, no, it's good. Not, yeah. Behavioral psychology. There you go. There you go. Anyway, yes, I think it's I think it's slowing down and not reacting and observing. It's observing the anger. What is this anger telling me about something else? Yeah. I mean, that's the most um that's the healthiest way to deal with it. And you know, whatever, it's like, it's okay to be pissed as long as it's not, as long as it's not targeted. Yeah. Okay. How did you know you were ready for divorce? (laughs) In my first marriage, I was ready for divorce before I even got married. (laughs) I know that too. Like I shouldn't have gotten married. I got married to save face, but I knew I was, I shouldn't have been in that. But how do you know you're ready for divorce? I think actually, I, there's probably two different answers to this. There's like the emotional answer and then there's the practical answer, right? Yeah. I don't know emotionally, but practically when you can leave without really damaging your life, I think if you can hold, unless it's like a toxic, dangerous situation, Mm-hmm. You should try to you should try to set yourself up quietly behind the scenes because once you announce a divorce, it, everything is off the table. You have no mm-hmm. control over the situation anymore. So you should be setting up your life the best you can financially and and making sure your ducks are on in a row. Like the practical part of it mm-hmm. is so important, and I didn't well, know this it's the what- first time. It, it, it's what keeps a lot of people from getting divorced because the practical part is so overwhelming. Yes, yes. And so particularly the financial piece of it. You know, I, my sister-in-law, who is a public interest attorney, once gave me a statistic about how many families dip below the poverty line after a divorce. No, it's it's, it's financially ruinous. So... I mean, there are, and I actually want to have one of these people on, there are like divorce counselors who you go to, it's not a divorce lawyer, it's a divorce counselor who like walks you through all of the things you have to do to get it, like all of the things you should do before you announce to a partner that you want to leave. Oh, we've got to have that person on. That's fascinating. It's fascinating because it really is and I've seen this happen with friends and it happened to me with my first husband. I mean, I, he literally left, he did not, wouldn't let me take anything. I Mm. left with like a fork, a glass and a futon mattress. And that was it. And we, you know, we weren't, we weren't broke. He had a good job. 
And um, I just wanted to be out so bad. And then also like a ton of credit card debt because we had credit cards in both of our names. Um, so I think that whatever that checklist is, but then emotionally, I don't know. It's so hard to know because it's hard to know. It's hard to know. I mean, I remember thinking things like, well, I can stay married to him if I just don't have to fuck him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like you start thinking things like that. like Bargaining. Bargaining. But the thing that did it for me, one of the things that did it for me, um, was that I thought about three happily married couples I knew. Yes, you've said that. And I, two of them have since got divorced, right? Two of them have since gotten divorced. But I told myself I don't deserve, to, I'm, if I stay with him, I'm telling myself I don't deserve to be as happy as them. But here's the other thing. I think we think of divorce in this very big way, right? Like it's all one thing. It has to happen. And it's just going to, once we, I think there's, I think it's a stages thing. And I think that there are backseas in those stages, right? Like a trial separation or, you know, let's just, see. yeah, I think there's, I think there are lots of things you could try before there's the finality of it. And mm -hmm. those things might really inform, even if it's somebody going away for a couple of weeks, you know, before, when I went to Iceland last year, after the pandemic, like many marriages, mine was just like, what the fuck are we even doing? You know? Right. And while I was in Iceland, I really felt like, oh, well, this is going to be good. I'm going to clear my head. I, you know, I'm going to have some time away. And I was away for a month. I mean, I was working all the time, but, and I wanted to talk to my husband every day, like a very, very much wanted to, and I didn't have to, and he didn't expect me to, but I very, very much wanted, I wanted to tell him things and I wanted to know how he was doing. Cause I want, I, I love him and he's my friend and I wanted, I wanted all of that connection. So that was very telling for me when I came back of mm -hmm. how, even if the marriage has some struggles because marriages are really, really hard and really complicated and long-term partnership is really complicated. There still is that connection I feel to him that I'm, that I want and that I'm interested in. He's the person you want to tell. He's the person I want to tell. Yeah. And that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And sometimes I think that even like the person being your person, sometimes it's like, oh, really, the person's my person. But even you know, you know that they you could just kind of know. Yeah. That's like an impossible thing to quantify. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think, yeah, divorce is deciding to leave. You know, it takes it. Sometimes it takes a while and sometimes it's sloppy. It was certainly sloppy in my case. Like I, I knew I wanted a divorce and I just said I wanted a separation so I could get out of the house. Yes. And this is why, and this is why people cheat because then it makes it easier. I mean, mm -hmm. that's not the only reason why people cheat, but this is one of the reasons people cheat because then it just makes it easier. Well, I've betrayed you. It's obvious we should, we should break up. Like I've, I've fallen in love with someone else. I don't want to be with you. Even though so often the person you fought, like the rebound relationship out of a divorce is a disaster. You're not ready for, you know, a long-term commitment. And also, do you even want to be with another person? Do you want to just be by yourself for, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. So um, it's, these are really complicated questions, but I will say that once you know emotionally, I think really understanding that, once that conversation is announced, you lose all power you have in terms of getting yourself together, especially if you're with somebody who has 
all the money. Yeah. No, I think quietly planning your exit, mm -hmm. you know, so that you have some peace and you know you're leaving, even if you can't leave right away. Yeah. Like I remember one day, my husband who could be, you know, who was pretty critical of me saying something ungenerous. And I just thought to myself, I'm not leaving you today and I'm not leaving you tomorrow, but I am fucking leaving you. Yep. Like yeah. that smug fucking look on his face as yeah. he like criticized me about whatever, you know, probably annoying shit I was doing, but still like, yeah. Ew. And if you really hate them to that degree, <laughs> like where you're like, I can't stand the sight of this person. I can't stand the way they smell. I can't sit like, those are sort of tells, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, like, if you're just like, you're fucking disgusting. I hate you. Like that kind, <laughs> of, that kind of tells you like, and I think really exploring and being like, do I find them disgusting and hate them? Like I should probably get out. Cause it's not fair to them either. No, that's true. Like, they could maybe be loved better, you know? Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. And I mean, I'm just as annoying as I ever was. I just think I'm, you know, I'm loved by somebody who finds those things less annoying. Yes, but no, you're not as annoying as, I mean, you're not as annoying. It's not annoying. You're, you're, you're more self-aware. That's a big difference. Yeah. Okay. You ready for the next question? I'm ready. I'm sure you guys have covered this, but I'd love to talk on professional jealousy. It's the one jealousy I have the toughest time with. <laughs> Jen is shaking her head silently. Um, I will start then. Start. Um, I, I used to be very professionally jealous. I'm still a little bit, but I used, it used to be like the fuel that fueled me, you know, like feeling competitive, yep. feeling jealous. Yep. You know, but it's different. I mean, comp competition and jealousy are two different things. Yep. You know, the competition is fine. And in fact, I think women should be a lot more comfortable with it than they are because yep. men are very comfortable with it. But the jealousy is like, that's another one where you're just, it gets very corrosive. Uh, yeah. And I think that what has helped me with professional jealousy is achieving things that I thought looked, that, that looked so good to the outside world that were inside hell. Like once I was inside of them, they were fucking hideous, but also just a very a deeper understanding of like, what's for you will find you. Mm -hmm. I really do think that's true. What's for you will find you. And I don't, I need to be more celebratory of other people's success because that's a healthier way for me to be in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Than to be like, oh, I want that. Oh, why don't I have it? You know, instead like, because also, some of professional jealousy is a scarcity mindset. Like there's only so much and I'm not going to be able to get a part of it when there's tons and there are tons it's of all like, different things. It's the same thing with being, being jealous of other women. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I remember a very clear moment. I remember this ad from the seventies. Mm -hmm. It was a shampoo ad and it said it was, it was a, it was a spread in the magazine. And one side said the competition and it had little postage stamp pictures of all these different women, mm -hmm. the competition, oh. all these different attractive women. And on the other page was the ad for the shampoo that was going to help you vanquish the competition. And I remember thinking, like, isn't there room for, like, more than one person to be pretty? Yeah. Like, isn't there, like... It's just such, it's, it's, it's yucky thinking. Well, yeah, but it's like, yeah, we're pitted against each other forever, you know, instead mm -hmm. of supporting each other. And 
I have found that when I am in my worst of like my darkest of competition, it's really about, I'm not, com- yeah, professional, professional jealousy, let's say. Um, it's really that I'm not feeling good about myself. And it's really about some bullshit insecurity I'm having, some imposter syndrome, some, 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 whatever. And it, it serves me nothing. And what I try to do in those times is be more inclusive, do something for someone, network in a positive way, champion somebody else's success. It, it just, it's, it's, we just don't have time for it. It, yeah. No, it feels better too. It feels better to like lift up other people rather than, and it makes you look better. It makes you look like you are not threatened. And also it's so, it's more active, right? Like professional mm-hmm. jealousy is just a stagnation, right? And it's just not yeah. moving you through. If you're in a bad place professionally, you're not liking where you are. Professional jealousy is just going to keep you stuck in that. And yeah. you want what you want is movement. You want to get the fuck out of this space and into something else. So you have yeah. to start thinking actively and championing other, championing other people, helping other people, mentoring, all of that is active and it moves you somewhere. And that's what you want. Yeah. You don't want to be stuck in that rut. So, yep. I mean, I still do it, but I try not to. <laughs> Um, I think we did an episode. We Do you did. think we did oh an episode? Oh my goodness, we did a whole episode. Yes. Look, 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 at, the, look at the time. I see the time. We did it. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, rate and review it on the, all the platforms, particularly Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. It helps people. It helps people find the show. And if you and if you give us five star reviews, we will read them on the air. We often, every couple of weeks, we read them on the air. Yes. Um, if you'd like to support the production of the show, please join our Patreon. Um, we blog there. We put up special episodes there. We are going to be doing more in the fall. We have live events there. We will be having one, if not later this month, early next month. Um, and that is patreon.com backslash everything is fine. If you want to follow the show on social media, we're on Instagram. We have a robust private Facebook group. We're on Twitter. Um, we're on LinkedIn. You can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. You can find me on tinyletter.com backslash everything. No, that's not right. You can find me on tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini. I'm going to start putting out weekly newsletters as soon as I, as soon as I finish the revisions on this book. And lastly, in this garbled outro, thank you, <laughs> Natalie Rivera, for editing and mixing our show. We couldn't do it without you. And okay, listeners, we'll talk to you next week week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.